There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Do you fancy hearing from another one of the team who's organising this year's Eurovision Song Contest? Go on, then. It's time for the Eurotrip. As Jono Alassandro always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job. It's part of me. Giannis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January. (laughs) I remember! So Gisli Baltarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much, and thank you for the Eurotrip. I've been listening to you. Being face-to-face, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, your beautiful face. <laughs> I was like, But it is cute. beautiful as well, though. We were talking on the phone. Yes. Do you want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there, my name is Martin Ostendahl. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And joining us this week is the Managing Director of Eurovision 2023 for the BBC, it's Martin Green. Yeah, last week, of course, we brought you that huge episode with Lee Smithers, who is the head of show for Eurovision 2023 for the BBC, and also Dan Shipton, lead creative director. Well, as we said at the very start of the episode, do you want another one? Martin Green is a huge member of the team. He is overseeing the whole project on behalf of the BBC. He did the same role at the London 2012 Olympics. Do you remember those incredible opening and closing ceremonies? He also did the same job at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham last year. So, safe to say, Eurovision this year is in safe hands and we'll be finding out all about his role a little bit later on. 
Yeah, I'm glad we're going to find out about his role because I must admit, even for us, it might seem a bit overwhelming that there's a managing director, a creative director, a head of show. There's so many of these roles, so it'll be good to find out exactly how his role looks as we are approaching this year's Eurovision. Uh, not only have we got Martin on the show this week, we've also got Alessandra from Norway. She was chosen to represent the country at Melody Grand Prix a couple of months ago. And I've sat down with her to find out all about her preparations for the contest that, we should say, is a matter of weeks away. Not too long to go now. A matter of days away. It's not a matter of weeks away anymore. It's a matter of days away. Absolutely. It's so, so <laughs> exciting. Yes, yeah, she also gives a little tease about some changes she might be making for Eurovision as well when she takes to the stage. And we will also be delving back into your memory banks, if that's a thing, as we ask, what's the first Eurovision you remember watching on TV? You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So, James, you said a matter of weeks away, and I corrected you. It really is a matter of days away now until we are in Liverpool for Eurovision 2023. Indeed, yeah. So it's currently Wednesday, the 26th of April. Rehearsals are going to start this coming Sunday. And then seven days after that, we will be in Liverpool ourselves. Yeah, not long to wait at all. New listeners, by the way. Hello, everybody. It's nice to have you on board. If you are joining just in time for this year's Eurovision Song Contest, we are the Eurotrip Podcast, where we bring you interviews with the artists, people behind making the contest happen, and we have some Eurovision fun along the way as well. So if you are a new listener, welcome, and also feel free to say hello on social. We'll give you the details a little bit later on. Yeah, James, we said we'll be up in Liverpool. You said we'll be up in Liverpool next Sunday at the time people listen to this. I've already been. Yes, of course. Forgive me, I should have mentioned this a little bit earlier. Yeah, if you were um, following us on Twitter and Instagram, I'm going to drop them now, at Eurotrip Podcast, if you want to go uh, go and give us a follow on there and get in touch with any of your thoughts. If you're following us on there, you'll have seen that Rob was in Liverpool last week for, forgive me if I'm wrong, Rob, was it the BBC's media launch? That's the one, yeah. So it was the BBC's official launch for all of the content that is coming your way between now and the Eurovision Song Contest. Safe to say, James... A ridiculous amount of stuff is coming our way across TV, radio, online, BBC Sounds, if you're living here in the United Kingdom. It was brilliant to be there, have to say, obviously bringing it back to food very quickly. Some lovely canapes, including Scouse, which is apparently a Liverpudlian delicacy. Didn't actually get to the bottom of what was in it, to be honest. (laughs) And also a lovely Ukrainian dumpling, which I enjoyed. So a lovely old time with the food. But also, it was very cool to be there because the hosts were there. So Alicia Dixon, Hannah Waddingham, Julia Sanina, they were there. Graham Norton dialed in on Zoom, which did make it feel a little bit like Eurovision, as Graham himself said, because he was dialing in from somewhere else and the signal was a little bit dodgy. So, so yeah, it was a little bit like foreshadowing how I imagine some of the voting will go in a few weeks' time. And also, as well, the commentators were there. So Rylan and Scott Mills and Mel Gedroich. And yeah, it was a brilliant time. And you managed to get a cheeky invite because, if people haven't seen already, not only are you doing the Eurotrip for the foreseeable, but you've also got something special on BBC Sounds yourself. How do you know I'm doing the Eurotrip for the foreseeable? Well, I hope you are. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't know who (laughs) I'm going to be doing it with. (laughs) Yeah, no, indeed. So I have been lucky enough to make a documentary for BBC Eurovision this year, which was very, very exciting. Um, Something I started working on back in January, pitched the idea to the BBC. They said, oh, you can make this if you want. And I went, oh, 
gone. That means I've actually got to make it. <laughs> it's called Good Evening Europe. It's a documentary I made with a man that you will know, I'm sure, uh, Timur Moroshnichenko, Ukraine's Eurovision commentator, uh, former host of the Eurovision Song Contest. And it looks at Europe and beyond, Australia, hello, and their relationship with Eurovision. Now, each country has kind of a different relationship with a contest, but doing that through the eyes of their various Eurovision commentators. So, yeah, if you haven't listened to it already, it's on BBC Sounds. It's called Good Evening Europe, and I hope you enjoy it. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts about the documentary or, of course, anything on the podcast. Loads of you got in touch uh, about the interview with Lee and Dan last week. So if you've got any thoughts, if you want to keep in touch with us, we are at Eurotip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, also on TikTok as well, at Eurotip Podcast, and hello at EurotipPodcast.com on the email. know what that means now james there are only two weeks of you are yours <laughs> why you are you that? yours? did you see that yes Sorry. i saw that <laughs> anybody listening to this honestly that thinks that we are on it we're ready to go we're here we're very present we're recording the latest cutting edge episode of the euro trip bringing you all the latest from the world of eurovision all of the excitement ahead of liverpool and there you are yawning <laughs> I'm sorry. The late night last night. Actually, we know that's not true. We know that's not true because uh, you told us that you had a wild Saturday a couple of weeks ago doing a Sudoku. So the idea of you having a wild night last night is unlikely. I just had a I just had a bad night's sleep and it's like halfway through the afternoon where I need a nap. So apologies. Is it the stress of everything we're planning to do in Liverpool? Is it the stress of a, a live event, of course, that we're hosting in Liverpool? Is, is that what's keeping you up at night? It's that, it's trying to attend all of the other events in Liverpool, it's trying to listen and watch all the coverage on the BBC. I mean, it's difficult to keep up with Eurovision lately. Yeah, it really, really is. On that then, it's time for the very latest news from the world of Eurovision. This is what we do every single week, a couple of weeks left until the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, James, you're at the news desk. What's in front of you? What have you got written down? Oh, honestly, I've got nout <laughs> written down. And I'll tell you why. Because it's all gone a bit quiet. And I know this is my excuse every week, and it has been for the last month or so. But it genuinely has, hasn't it? It's gone very quiet. There's probably only one big story this week, and it hasn't happened yet for us. <laughs> in the fact that the king is going to reveal the stage in the arena on Wednesday. Currently for us, it's still Tuesday as we're recording. But that's probably the biggest news story of the week. And I've probably said as much as I can, because we haven't seen the stage yet. Do you reckon King Charles is a Eurovision fan? Do you reckon he's listened before? Did he? I think he attended uh, the Birmingham contest in 1998, didn't he? I think he did. I'm not too sure. Was the King, then the Prince of Wales, at Eurovision 1998? Do let us know if you know. Anyway, yeah, as James said, that is kind of the big news of the week, that the Eurovision stage is finished. That's the highlight of the story there. The Eurovision stage is finished and rehearsals do start on Sunday. Very, very exciting. And again, that first rehearsal on the stage is, of course, Alessandra for Norway, who James will be chatting to later on in today's episode. But James, up first, a question that we posed on social across the weekend, because I know a lot of people will be planning how and where they're going to watch Eurovision this year, if, of course, they're not in Liverpool, which the majority of people won't be, of course, that are listening to this. Therefore, we posed the question... What are your first memories of watching Eurovision on TV? What's the first year you remember watching Eurovision on the telly? What's yours? Oh, mine. 
I think mine was 2009, uh, so when Jade Yoon was representing the UK, <clears throat> and it was it was the voting sequence. So I definitely hadn't watched the full contest, and I remember I think I was going to bed actually, and I'd like put the TV on to watch something before I went to bed, and I remember seeing the voting sequence, and something I must have known about it at the time because I remember thinking, wow. The UK is doing well. That's a surprise. <laughs> so I must have been like socially aware of, of, how, of how bad the UK had done in recent years. So yeah, that is actually my first memory of it, which is the voting sequence. How about you? Yeah, mine was five years earlier. So Istanbul, 2004. And yeah, I remember my parents were having a dinner party and they had some friends over. And one of the friends that they had over asked, is there any chance we can watch Eurovision? And I remember my parents rolling their eyes and sighing and going... Ugh if we have to. <laughs> and then they put it on the telly and they put it on in time for the start. So I remember like Detem, the music. I remember Sir Terry Wogan, obviously at the time, uh, talking over the introduction. And then it would have been, of course, uh, Sertab, the previous year's winner from Turkey, doing her performance at the start. And honestly, I was hooked ever since. It just looked incredible. I remember it looking unlike anything else I'd ever seen before. Uh, James Fox, of course, representing the UK back then uh, James Fox who was by the way one of our first ever interviews here on the Eurotrip podcast go back and uh, go back and listen in the archives but yeah those are our memories but you have been sending in your memories in your boatloads James there's loads aren't there hundreds of you uh, quite literally have been in touch over the weekend uh, let me pick out some Tom on Twitter got in touch saying 2007 and Scooch clearly had an impact because I downloaded the song as a polyphonic ringtone on my Motorola Razor love that you would have to say 2007 or Scooch you probably could have dated uh, which yeah that was uh, for Tom uh, how about this one from uh, Kirsty as well who says I've been watching for as long as I can remember I don't think we've missed a year since I was born but I think the first this year that I can really remember an iconic moment was 1998 and uh, Gildo Horn. Uh, I'd seen many contests before, but that one really stood out. Yeah, and then Doug as well at Bucks Fizz winning in 1981. First time I was allowed to sit up late and watch to the end. Good one to watch for the first time when the UK won, of course. And Rafal, James, not that one. However, <laughs> however, from Poland. Uh, so 2001, uh, Poland were represented at that time by a very popular singer. So my sister said to me and my mum that we had to watch it. I had no clue what Eurovision was at all. I was eight at the time and then hooked ever since. Uh, but what we've done, James, what I thought we'd do is we picked out some of, uh, some of my faves here. And I thought we'd uh, kind of delve back into the archives to really kind of encapsulate what the listeners were feeling at the time that they were watching Eurovision for the very first time. Uh, going to start with this one from Lorna. Going to go back to 1980. Uh, she said, Johnny Logan won. Of course he did. I was 10 and on holiday with my parents in Crete, the hotel wheeled out a black and white TV so that we could watch it. And Noel Edmonds gave the scores from the UK jury. Uh, she <laughs> then goes on to say, geez, I'm ancient. No, you're not, Lorna. That is a tremendous story. Uh, so, James, right now, I want you to imagine Lorna and her parents sitting in Crete in the hotel in front of a black and white TV. And then, of course, during that show, they see this. For you, but you're not here. 
Well, then, if you fast forward a couple of years, we then get to John, who also got in touch and said, 1990 was my first memory, and all because my mum said, change the channel, the Eurovision is just about to begin. Uh, I asked quickfire questions about it, put a blank video in the recorder, and by the time Denmark finished their song, I was obsessed. And welcome to the 32nd running of the Eurovision Song Stakes. Songs from 22 countries vying to be the one to carry off the Grand Prix and then never to be heard of again. And this little rascal is Eurocat, a creation of the Yugoslavian cartoonist Josko Marushnik. You'll grow to love him or hate him. He'll be all over the show. Yeah, so there he is, Sir Terry Wogan there, at the very start of Eurovision in 1990. And, James, that brings us back to a conversation that we have had previously on the podcast about Eurovision mascots. <laughs> wow, you're testing my memory with that one. Blimey. Yeah, Eurovision mascots, something we touched on ages ago, ages ago. But, yeah, do go back and... Uh... Do you go back and have a look at the mascot from 1990s? A bit of a suspicious-looking fella. Uh, we're going to fast forward now to 2002. Uh, Sophie, long-time listener of the Eurotrip podcast. Hello, Sophie. Uh, she says, 2002, and this is the first song I remember. James, that is Greece. That is Greece and uh, Sagapo. It's kind of a robotic themed thing going on. One of my favourite songs, I think, from the 2002 contest. Yeah, uh, 2002 is a lovely little contest. I watched it uh, just before Christmas, I think. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, and finally, let me finish with Heather, who said, although it was absolutely on every year before then, my first strong memory of watching it is from 2008. I can clearly remember my brother and I loving Wolves of the Sea, of all songs, uh, and singing the chorus over and over again for the whole of the Sunday afterwards. There you have it. Thank you so much for sharing your memories of the first Eurovision that you watched on TV. Really, really appreciate it. And yeah, lovely to delve back into the archives there for a few brilliant Eurovision memories. You're listening to The Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast. When you aren't listening, find us on social media. 
at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Right then, we've still got the one second song to come and Alessandra from Norway. But first, it's time for this. Yeah, the leap to Liverpool returns. Of course, it took a break last week, but for good reason, of course, as we caught up with Lee Smithers, head of show, and uh, Dan Shipton, lead creative director for Eurovision 2023, both of which, as we know full well, James, are already in situ in Liverpool. They're already there now for the contest and will be for the next few weeks as rehearsals kick off on Sunday. Technical rehearsals already kicking off, already happening, of course, as well, up in Liverpool. But as we mentioned earlier on in the episode, I too was in this year's Eurovision host city last week for the BBC's Eurovision media launch. So all of the brilliant content that's coming to TV, radio, online, BBC Sounds, basically everywhere. Well, one of the people there, James, was the BBC's managing director of Eurovision, Martin Green. Yeah, as we said, he was instrumental in the London 2012 ceremonies, as well as the uh, the ceremonies for Birmingham's hosting of the Commonwealth Games last year. Uh, so if he's in charge, we know we're going to be in safe hands. Yes, absolutely. So I really wanted to find out what his job involves, what he's been up to, and also just how excited he is now for Eurovision 2023. He's been building up to it for months and months and months in the role, ever since we found out that the UK would be hosting this year on behalf of Ukraine. So here's what happened when I caught up with him at that event in Liverpool. Martin Green, Managing Director of Eurovision 2023. Welcome to the Eurotrip. It's really good to be here. Now, Martin, on our podcast last week, we heard from Lee Smithers, head of show, and Dan Shipton, lead, lead creative director. Brilliant. They both got us very, very excited Good. for what we can expect to see on stage in Liverpool. You, of course, in your role, have oversight over, well, everything, I assume. So we're right to be getting excited. You are absolutely right to get excited. Dan and Lee and Andrew are doing a great job on the show. I was watching some video of uh, choreography in the studio the other day and we're just about to get it up on its feet in this st- in the arena and it's going to be awesome. I was in the arena this morning just watching them plot lights actually because you could spend hours doing that but um, the whole thing is beginning to come together and then you add in Euro Club and then you add in Euro Village and then you add in the cultural programme and just actually basically any place in the city I, I really hope that these brilliant loyal Eurovision fans come away from this feeling that we did Eurovision proud your role as managing director what does that involve is it genuinely overseeing every single aspect including including all of those things that you literally no, just mentioned well, no, it, it, yes and no so yes ultimately I am totally totally accountable for Eurovision as a project but of course we have a brilliant team and we have brilliant partners in Liverpool City Council the combined authority and everyone and the government so my job is to just kind of wrangle the circus really and, and get everyone doing the best work of their lives but hopefully in some form of coherent way right 
You said there, wrangling the circus. There are so many different parties involved with putting on an event like Eurovision. You've got the European Broadcasting Union, of course, the BBC, UAPBC as well. How has it been to work with multiple teams from, from different countries? Because, of course, as we know, this is a very unique contest Absolutely. this year. Well, I mean, I just find it a joy because you just get to meet lots and lots of different people. I think once, once we set down from the beginning that we wanted all this to be done under the banner of United by Music, it allowed everyone to just get on with doing what they're doing. Because, you know, basically what we're saying, as long as you can relate it back to that, go for your life, right? And then you just get to meet amazing people from around the world and people who are far more talented than you are. And, you know, you get to work with the EBU. So it's a real voyage of discovery. But I think the important thing is there's no one on this team who isn't here is here because it's a job, right? They're here because they want to do Eurovision. And that fundamentally changes how people approach the day and the job and everything, because we just want to do Eurovision proud. I know when you first started in the role this year, you said one of the first things that you did was actually travel to Warsaw to meet the team from UAPBC. Do you mind just talking us through what that trip was like, what that first meeting was like, and also how that then informed everything that went from there? Well, it, I mean, it was amazing because... I hope, as everyone would imagine, I didn't want to decide or think about anything until we had a, had a conversation with the Ukrainians. So I think it was literally my third day in the job in October that we went to Warsaw, which is sadly the closest we can get to Kyiv. And amazingly, our friends at EuroPBC came over to you know, Warsaw, which again was a 12-hour train journey and blah, blah, blah. And even that, you know. But then you're sort of sitting there, you're going, well, I can't believe you've come all this way to have a conversation about Eurovision. And they went, no, this is the first thing you have to know. It's really important to us. We will be totally here and we want to work with you. And so that was the first moment we went, okay, fine, then we will do this together. And then we just had great conversations about what they wanted to get out of it. Again, we weren't going to presume anything. And they were very clear they wanted to talk about the future of Ukraine. They wanted to talk about Ukrainian culture. They wanted to have a celebration. And again, you know, it was good to hear them say that because we were like, well, you know, what's the tone here, you know? And they went, no, this is Eurovision, right? They also respect that it's a fair competition for 37 countries. So that was the moment that we came away going, right, we feel that we've got our direction from Ukraine now. We can fill in with Liverpool. We can fill in with the Ukraine stuff and we can make sure that we have a balanced show. But they gave us permission to do that. And it was, it was the fundamental moment. And how did that inform United by Music, which is the overall theme for the contest this year? We heard on the podcast last week how that informed, you know, everything from the selection of hosts, for example, yep. with, with Alicia and, yep. and Hannah and Julia. How did that inspire everything? And when did United by Music become kind so of the we theme? we did that work post coming back from Warsaw. That was the first piece of work we did because... What I think I knew was that because we have a slightly shorter time to do it, we needed a really strong, the posh word is curatorial line, <laughs> right? But a really strong and simple line. And one day the brand, came, brand company came up with it and we went, that's it. It is so easy. Everyone can understand what we're trying to talk about with that. And it meant that it, we didn't, even if we were working with a hundred different partners, which we are, as long as they did something about that, it would be together and, it, and it's a real trick but it but it means something and um i mean i'm very proud of it i'm, I'm proud how everyone has taken it on you know it, you come up with stuff in a room don't you and then suddenly people are saying it back to you and united by music seems to have really caught on which i i love and even the little things like when you're here in liverpool you see it 
literally yeah. everywhere. Yes, yeah, we're gonna, and you're going to see a lot more, let me tell you, because <laughs> we haven't even started yet. Uh, yes, over the next few weeks, Liverpool will be dressed more and more. I, I see the businesses are really putting their stuff up. Liverpool have made a whole business pack available where you can download posters and stuff, and I'm walking past businesses. I was in a pub the other day that had posters up, you know. So you can tell that Liverpool are really taking this to heart. And Martin, one of the things that does come through this year is that the contest has been organised by fans of the contest, yeah. by people that love yeah. Eurovision. Yeah. You're a fan, as, I'm much a fan. As, as much as Lee and yeah. Dan and everyone else? Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a complete fan. This is a dream come true. i tell you what, it makes you more nervous because, you know, I don't want to, I was going to say, I don't want to cock it up, right? Because it's important to me, but also hopefully we won't because it's important to me. And I can tell you that nearly everyone in this team is a fan of Eurovision. And last very, very quick question. You've been in the arena. People listening to this are going to be looking forward to stepping in that arena for the very first time. What is the experience like? Very, very cool. The set's amazing. We've got just rigged two and a half thousand lights in the ceiling. But the other thing about the arena is it's quite intimate. There literally isn't a bad seat in the house and I cannot wait for it to be full. Martin Green, thank you so much for chatting to us on the Eurotrip. No worries. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiya, babes. It's me, Danny Beard, winner of RuPaul's Drag Race UK and Grinder Heartthrob. And I'm DJ Billy Andrew, queen of the clubland and personal bodyguard to Danny Beard. And together, we host the Gossip Gaze podcast. We dish all the goss on the LGBTQ plus community, discuss the latest social sensations and gobble the finest treats in Snack of the Week. You can find us on all your podcast providers. Plus, make sure you follow us on all socials for our highlights at Gossip Gaze Pod. Episodes are released every week. See See you there. there. Gossip Gaze. Great to hear another member of uh, the BBC's team who are organising this year's contest here on the Eurotrip. We'd love to hear from you, of course. What did you think about hearing Martin on the podcast? Let us know. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram for your thoughts. And hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email as well. Should say that I hadn't eaten the canapes by that point. I had the canapes after I'd spoken to Martin Green because I was a bit worried. You know when sometimes you eat food that you're not quite sure what it is and I didn't know what the garlic content of said food would be (laughs) and I didn't want to put him off. So I thought I'd save myself and have the canapes after I'd spoken to Martin. Good to know your your timeline of events for every moment in Liverpool. What time did you get off the train? What time did you go to the loo? Are you going to let us know everything? Well, now you mentioned the train. I know you're going to regret it. I got the same train back to London which is obviously where I live, with uh, Rylan and Scott and Mel Gedroich as well. And a little birdie tells me, and I find this hard to believe, apparently that's the first time that Rylan has ever got a train. 
I did hear that. Yeah, did you sit with them, or were you on a were they on a private carriage? Oh no, they were at the front. They were in you know they were in the posh seats at the front. I was I was just at the back, uh, where there's always a bit of a smell that you can't quite specify what it is. One of those situations. Oh, no. uh, but yeah, honestly, Rylan got a, a photo at the front of the train. He was very excited by the whole thing, and then when we got into London, he was equally as excited about the fact that yeah he'd, he'd been on a been on a high speed train for the last couple of hours he seemed to really enjoy himself well there you go from uh, smelly train toilets to alessandra from norway <laughs> uh, that's it. that's who we're going to hear from now i don't think she's going to thank you for that <laughs> what i'm saying is these are totally different ends of the spectrum that's what i'm trying to suggest uh, anyway Yes, so she is going to be representing Norway at Eurovision this year. She won Melody Grand Prix uh, back home in Norway uh, a couple of months ago when the uh, when the nights were still dark and Eurovision seemed like a uh, so far away. Um, and yeah, now she is gearing up to head onto the stage. She is going to be opening the very first semi-final. So I'll be chatting to her about what her thoughts are about that, whether she's nervous or not. She's also... She's also going to tell us about when she met Queen Lorene for the very first time. And does she, or does she not tease a little bit? You'll have to let us know what you think. That she may well be singing some of her song in a different language. You can let us know what you think about that. Uh, But let's get to it, shall we? This is what happened when I caught up with Alessandra from Norway. Alessandra, welcome to the Eurotrip. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, probably not as excited as you are because ever since you won Melody Grand Prix in Norway, I feel like you have just been hyper. You've been like so excited. Like, have you managed to calm down yet, or you're still just super excited? No, it's just my personality. Uh, like, I'm always like this. Uh, I'm always uh, also more like on the camera, especially, or you see me like super excited, or I'm very relaxed. And I feel like it's not on the camera. It's just like it's it's my life like i i a lot of times don't have like um a balance i was like very much or like just (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i've never seen you relaxed because at the moment i feel like i can't escape you on tiktok i'm in alessandra tiktok at the moment and you're just constantly hyper you're constantly just being crazy like that's just you all the time isn't it you're never relaxed i don't believe you no no i swear i am I swear, of course, I feel like I, I, I'm more positive. Like, I feel like positivity is one of the most important things, like a good energy. Uh, but still, I am also relaxed a lot of times. Did you ever expect to win Melody Grand Prix? Because I want to talk about that, because that winning moment of you when you fell to the floor in disbelief, like, was there any point where you ever believed you were going to win? It's not like, it's, I, it's not believing. I always believe in myself. But I, I don't have expectations. Like, I just do what I can do and then, like, see what people give me back, you know? And when it happened, when, like, people said to me, like, okay, now you're going to go to your vision. Then everything that I thought but also avoided maybe thinking sometimes just came just, like, there. And I was just, like, and it, like, threw me down to the, to the ground like a very angry boxer. And then I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us about the tell us about the songwriting process. I want to know a bit more about that because was there a yeah. was there a point when you were writing the song and you thought this song is pretty good? Like you know, was there a time where you thought you've you've laid some vocals down or there's some melody and you thought this song is gonna this song is gonna become big? 
you always have like a feeling a little bit sometimes the feeling can be totally wrong and I remember like with Queen of Kings like I felt like it was a very big song but I felt it even more when like one of the two producers came in and was like what is this like totally like really like because when you're writing it then there's so many thinking there but also there's so many feelings so like it's a lot put together so you're like you, it's very difficult to put yourself outside of it but when one people when one person comes from outside and comes in was like, what is this? Then it's like, okay, so this this song is getting very, very cool. And, and what's the pressure like for, for Eurovision? Because uh, Stig Carlson, your your head of delegation, has said recently that you have got the best chance, or Norway has the best chance to win Eurovision since Alexander Reback. What what's that pressure like? I can see the look on your face. You seem shocked, or I don't know, what what emotion did that bring when I said that? It's just uh, like you, you more the more people say it, the more I want to go on Eurovision and sing. Is that what it feels like? Yeah, you're just desperate to get on the stage. No more than desperate, I just can't wait. It's like my home. Do you get any nerves when you when you head to, uh, when you head on stage? Because well, well, maybe you do get extra nerves, do you? Because you opened the show in your semi final in Norway. You're going to open the semi final at Eurovision as well. Is that like some more pressure, extra nerves that you've got to open the entire show? Well, more than pressure. Like I'm not. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna maybe rehearse more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but still, I don't feel pressure for it because. I just, I just think it's gonna be such a good thing, like a, a good thing, like it's gonna, it's gonna be so great. I just can't wait. It's more than like I don't feel it's a pressure because I, it's just such a good feeling about it. And how much are you working on that stage performance at the at the moment? Because we remember that stage performance in Norway. It was just like out of this world. It was so powerful. Do you have to actually keep rehearsing that, or is it just so ingrained inside of you that you can close your eyes and you could do it? I still have to rehearse it, of course, but not because I can't close my eyes and do it, but you've got to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse till you have it in your blood, like, like you have it like in your blood with like swimming with the, with the, with the, with the veins, like, <laughs> so you got to rehearse all the time. So do you think then when we get to Liverpool, you will be able to close your eyes and, and, and do that performance? <laughs> I won't close my eyes because I want people to look at me in the eyes, but still, um, but I couldn't do that. <laughs> are, you, are you changing some of the, the stage performance as well? Or is it literally just copy and paste from, from the national final? No, it's not copy and paste. Oh, but so still, it's going like, to look different then? It's going to look different? Yeah, it, it's not going to, like, I feel like when you have something great, it's it's stupid a little bit to, like, change it, like, change it. You can enhance it, enhance it, you can enhance it, right? Yeah, you can do it better. So like, I feel like we're gonna add the cool stuff to it. We're gonna add power. We're gonna add also more uh, feelings also in like in a more sensitive way, you know? So cool stuff, power, feelings. Can you give me an idea about what that's gonna look like? <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a no. <laughs> yeah, but I wanna like, I remember there was like, this cameraman filming like us during the day and then he filmed the costume and was like, 
this is not gonna go out. <laughs> this is because you know, like I understand surprises. You want to know it before I understand it, like in general, because I'm like that too. Like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. But still, like when you get the surprise, if you knew it already, it wouldn't be as powerful as you know. Yeah, that is true. So you've got to keep it secret until the semi-final, and then we'll all see. This that's fine. We yeah. get it. Um, one thing that I want to ask you about, which you're not going to tell me the answer, but I just want to say it out loud, so I've at least said it, is that you know at the start of the song where we we sort of hear that vocal in the background. Is that Italian that we hear at the start of the song, like the sort of ghostly yeah. voice? Yeah. Have you thought about including that, like you singing that vocal at the start, because it sounds so powerful? Have you thought about singing that yourself on on the live vocal? Yeah. I can tell you that. You've yeah. thought about I mean, it, but you haven't come up with a decision. You're not going to get the answer to that, my thought, but still you're going to get the thought. <laughs> <laughs> so you can confirm you have thought about it. That is good enough yes. for me, at least anyway. Um, <laughs> we were talking about pressure before, uh, and you were, you, know, you were giving us a real insight into what that pressure is like. But is there much pressure about actually qualifying to the final, or do you feel quite confident that that's going to happen? Because you got so many points in the jury perform uh, from the juries in the national final and from the televote, and I think you're still in the top five with like the predictions and the and the bookies. So, do you feel like you've got a you know a reasonable chance to to get through the the semi final? Well, it would be very sad if it didn't happen, then I can say. Uh, but still, you never know. You never know life. You never know what happens. You never know if you break a foot before you go on stage. Like, Oh, don't say so like, that. <laughs> not break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, of course, going to do my best. And I'm going to do I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it so good that I feel like I'm going to deserve to go to the final. I'd love to know as well, have you managed to catch up with any of the other Eurovision artists this year? Have you caught up with some of them? Have you got a WhatsApp group chat going with them yet? I just, I just met Lorraine, like, say, an hour before. Right? Did yeah. you? What was that like? You've got to tell us. It's crazy. I love her so much. It was, uh, it was, it took one second, one second to create, like, if not, like, create such a big connection. It was crazy. Alessandra, uh, I've got one time for one more question, which is basically just to ask you if you've got a message for everybody listening. You've got so many people tuned in right now listening to you. So have you got a message for all the fans who are listening? Yeah, first of all, I want to say thank you. Like a very big thank you for all the love and support that everyone is giving me. And then I just want to say, like, let's do this together. You know, let's be in this together and be strong together and uh, and do the best out of music. Very well said. Alessandra, this has been great fun. Thank you so much for finding the time. And uh, shall we catch up again in Liverpool? Yeah. Let's do it. Alessandra, thank you so much. Thanks to you. A big hug. Like what you're hearing? Make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening. So there she was, Alessandra from Norway, joining us on the Eurotrip podcast. As we said at the start of the interview, she'll be opening the first semi-final of Eurovision 2023, which means that Alessandra will be taking to the Eurovision stage for her first rehearsal this week. She's doing it on Sunday. Can't believe it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's come round in a flash, hasn't it? It just seems like two minutes ago that we were uh, looking back at Kalash Orchestra winning in Turin, and now we're looking ahead to who might win uh, in Liverpool. Very, very exciting. As we say, we will be there for the full week uh, with, um, am I allowed to say this, daily episodes. You probably guessed that already. We'll probably tell you a little bit more about our plans next week, though. 
Yeah, mainly because we haven't had the meeting yet where we properly talk about what we're doing. But yeah, we will tell you in full next week what we're up to. And of course, don't forget that we have our live event in Liverpool uh, at Sugar and Dice, the board game cafe, on Thursday afternoon. Uh, So for those of you that are listening to this with tickets, can't wait to see you there. It is sold out, we should say, but we will potentially uh, do our best to bring some highlights uh, here on the podcast uh, for those of you that can't make it there. But yeah, it'll be lovely to see plenty of you coming along. Indeed it will. But before we wrap up today's episode, let us do the one second song. Uh, we didn't have one last week, uh, which meant I had to really go into the memory bank and figure out what the, sco- <laughs> what the scores are. Uh, but they are 29 to Rob, 18 to me. And annoyingly, Rob, you've got a chance to extend your lead because I've chosen this week's one second song for you. Yeah, I think it's safe to say now looking at the maths, unlikely that you're going to be able to overhaul that lead between now and the end of our (laughs) 2023 season here on the podcast. But, you know, just for fun, I guess it is now for me on my victory lap of this year's one second song. And uh, for everyone listening at home, James, can I have a listen? Let's do it. Here is this week's one second song. You have been incredibly generous with that. Forgive me, yeah, I forgot which song I'd done until we heard that there. Yeah, um, I feel like I've been generous because I felt like if I gave you a second, that would have been the most difficult one-second song we would have ever have done because I just didn't think you would ever get it. So I think I've given you like three and a half seconds. So you should have three and a half times more of a chance to get it right. I should do, but uh, I don't think I will. I don't think I will. Let's have it one more time. Right. Oh, maybe it could be that, actually. That would make kind of sense. Maybe it is that. Well, you are looking for the title, the artist, the country and the year it took part in Eurovision. What have you got to extend your lead? One point for each. I forget the year, Sylvia. No, maybe I don't. Maybe I do have the year. Maybe I do. Okay, right. I'm going to go with this. It might be completely wrong. It might be right. If it is right, this is possibly one of the best things I've ever done on the podcast and, and just in life generally. I think this could be, and of course we did hear from Alessandra earlier on, I think this could be Norway 2016, Agnet, I think her name was, and Icebreaker? Is that your guess? That's the guess. Lock it in. Okay, well, first of all, you are correct in saying that uh, Agnet and Icebreaker was 2016 for Norway. What you were incorrect about is that being this week's one second song. (laughs) I'm afraid there are no points for you this week because that was, in fact, two years earlier. It was Eurovision 2014. It was Ukraine. It was one of this year's Uh, semi-final interval acts, Maria Yeremchuk, with TikTok. Of course it was. Let's have a listen.
Oh, the man in the hamster wheel. Absolutely. That was the one. Yeah, I, that was so tricky, wasn't it? I felt like I was being a bit mean, but equally, I felt like you deserved a bit of your own uh, medicine there. Well, yeah, no, that is fine. Although if you'd really wanted to be evil, like you said, you could have just kept the first second of that song. But yeah, you, you, you gave me a bit longer, but it didn't help me. And, uh, and no, no points for me this week, which is the first time I've got a, got a nil point score on the one second song for a long time. It, it is, yeah, uh, which means the scores remain level, 29-18. Maybe you at home managed to uh, squeak a few points on your own tally there. Uh, do let us know. But it does mean next week, when, which is, will be the last one-second song of the series, I imagine, maybe we'll squeak one in after after Liverpool. Uh, but that means I can claw back some points, but I would still be about seven off the lead anyway. So basically, you've won the one-second song of this series, or yeah, or whatever we call it. Is there a trophy? I'm not sure there is. That was wonderfully anticlimactic, wasn't it? That was like <laughs> that was like before they changed the Eurovision voting presentation and you used to know who'd won about seven countries <laughs> before the end. It's a bit like that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, thanks very much. I presume I don't win anything. You don't. And actually, there isn't even a bonus point on offer because there wasn't actually a connection to this week's episode. So... Apologies. Although, kind of was, because Martin Green's the managing director of Eurovision for the BBC, and she's one of the interlacts in one of the shows being organised by the BBC. You're not getting a bonus point for that. Not a chance. Not on my watch. <laughs> and you you said I've won nothing for winning uh, the one second song for this season. Not entirely true, because I do win a six-night stay with you in Liverpool in about two weeks' time. <laughs> See you there, my friend. See you there. <laughs> oh well thank you everybody for tuning in and that is that for another week and as james you said there that is our penultimate episode between now and liverpool done and dusted it is we will be back with you in seven days time with our final regular episode before we head out to liverpool so we'll be back with you on wednesday the third of may I enjoy that you said head out to Liverpool as if it's this far-flung destination. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it won't take us as long to get there, thankfully, this year. So, yeah, we'll be back with you on the 3rd, which is next Wednesday, and then we'll be back with daily episodes when we land. Land? <laughs> We're not flying. Anyway, when we arrive in Liverpool a few days after that. Uh, but in the meantime, make sure you keep up to date with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And you can read all of our exclusive stories on EurotripPodcast.com. Make sure as well you subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. He's waving, everyone. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. I'll try that and we'll see what happens when I, when I open my mouth. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.